as we uh, as we talk about it in Second uh, Peter, we'll be dealing with assurance in uh, this section where we're at. And actually, Peter has a real marvelous section on uh, the experience the uh, believers should have with with assurance. The enemy likes to accuse us, and that's what the enemy does, doesn't he? He's the accuser of the brethren. And he wants to blow us with doubts uh, and uh, make us doubt our salvation. God, on the other hand, is affirming our salvation because it's based on who he is and what he does. And uh, matter of fact, I think assurance is a vital, vital part. It's a vital theme, not only in this little letter here to Peter, but it, I think it's a vital theme all throughout Scripture because... Um, it's very important to know who we are and who God is, and um, it fits the the whole picture. Uh, the major theme in Second Peter is really going to be in chapter two and in chapter three. It's really about false teachers, and that theme is carried primarily uh, throughout most of the rest of the book. But uh, what what Peter's trying to do is defeat the attack of the false teachers, and people need to know. Uh, who they are and what they do and what they're bringing forth. And a good way to be able to attack that on our own or to be able to defend is to have knowledge, knowledge of God's Word. Uh, that's the key to dealing with false teaching, to know what Scripture says, what's the truth say. Uh, they can't deceive us if we know the truth, right? We, we will not be deceived. And therefore, our salvation will not be doubted because there can be people say, and coming from uh, a person one time, they t- I, I had told them that these things were written to you, this in, um, uh, somewhere in First John chapter 5, these things are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Those things are important. It's very important to know that you're in the family of God. But uh, that was from a works-based salvation and really, um, uh, of course, Roman Catholicism teaches that you cannot be assured. You will not be assured until the very day you're with Him. And even at that, uh, as soon as you die, uh, you don't really go to be with God. You are paying penance by, uh, of course, they, they teach purgatory. And uh, unless you're a saint, that's where you go. So there's no assurance in uh, in their belief. And I just say that because that's what they teach. I'm not making up something, try, not trying to make them mad, but that's what they will teach. And, and I've had some say that, uh, you know, I'm pretty arrogant if I say that I know for sure where I'm going when I die. I only know it because what Scripture says. And I only, only know this for the fact of God's Spirit and for what He's done, not based upon my works, but a works-based salvation says, I have to do something to keep this salvation. I can goof up, and then just like that, I'm out of it. So I'm in it, I'm out of it. I'm in, I'm out of it. Um, uh, An extreme Arminianism will uh, definitely teach that you cannot know that you have uh, eternal salvation. Um, So, matter of fact, I have said before... And I'm not saying, hey, we're the only ones that are right. But many denominations will tell you that you cannot have assurance. And if that be the case, then 
what do we do with these passages? What do we do with this text in Peter? What do we do with, uh, let's say, Romans? What do we do with Ephesians? How about the book of John especially? Uh, you, you look all throughout the passages. Uh, of course, we know there are times where we see where there are warnings. There are warnings in Scripture like um, Hebrews. The book of Hebrews has a lot of warnings there. But that's talking about the people that are teetering maybe coming into Christianity. They think they're Christians, but they really have not been converted. And they're looking at it and they're thinking about backing out. And he says, today is a day of salvation. You know, and you, you, know, you want to follow Christ rather than what uh, you think to be right. And so anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a very biblical thing. Um, it's about knowing your salvation. It's about knowing Christ. Uh, in verse 1, we looked at the source of our salvation. Then in verse 2, we looked at the very substance of our salvation. And then in verse 3 and 4, we talked about, remember, the sufficiency of Christ. He is sufficient for everything. And then 5 through 11 is um, where we started at last week. We went 5 through 7, I think. And that section is dealing with the certainty of salvation. So, the first part of chapter 1 is dealing with uh, our salvation and what God has done for us in that. And so when you know all that, then you know that when the chapter 2 comes along, then here's how we can defend this. Here's what God has done. Uh, we can be certain. Uh, and we, we looked at it last week. We have to be diligent, don't we? We want to be diligent in our pursuit, really taking it seriously. Uh, as he started out in verse 5, now for this very reason, also applying all diligence, and then he said, add to your faith. Supply moral excellence. Moral excellence, knowledge. Your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. In your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. And that's where we dropped off last week. Why don't we have a word of prayer as we uh, get ready for this rich text from Peter. Father, we thank You. And we are here for one reason. It's really You. You certainly are the great God who has revealed Yourself to us. You keep showing more and more who You are through Your Word. We just can't get enough of You. We desire to really experientially know You as we understand it through Your Word and to be able to experience it in our own lives as our daily conduct, our daily lives lead us into different situations. And we know the richness of what You have given us and all things, all things pertaining to life, to godliness. Everything that we need to live this Christian life, You've equipped us with. And as we go into the Word now, that we can understand a little bit better how You have given us assurance and that there's no reason for doubt if we truly are uh, Yours. You want us to know that and so that we can get on with our uh, service of You. And may we give You glory in everything that we do here tonight and in every, every moment of our lives. In Your Son's name, Amen. There's an effort involved in being certain about our salvation. Uh, it's a diligent pursuit. And we talked about last week, there's an attitude which started in verse 5, and that attitude is applying all diligence in your faith. And then he gave us the qualities of, uh, of a Christian and of a growing Christian, and that's the action. 
And the action is, of course, these things that we add to the moral excellence and the knowledge and self-control and such there. Uh, great qualities. Pursue these qualities. If we pursue these, if we grow in godliness, then um, the satisfaction of knowing in our lives that there is fruitfulness there. It's, it's God that's doing it, right? We'll, we'll enjoy assurance. Okay, is, that a, is that a good thought? To enjoy our assurance? To enjoy all that? Wouldn't it be terrible to fight for that? I know, I know a lot of people that I've talked to that I really believe were Christians. They had the marks there, but they were really battling and so many times they have dealt with they didn't know if they were Christians or not. And they were lagged down in some kind of sin or there's just they just they couldn't really get into the word. They couldn't get into fellowship with people. There were different things that were bogging them down and they were depressed and all those things and uh, they got to the point where they didn't even know if they were Christians anymore or not. And I'm sure that uh, many of you have dealt with people like that. Right, right. And of course, he discovered the key that he had all the time. Remember? We have everything we need, but what did he do? He forgot the key, which is the promises, the Word of God. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah! And it, he was able to unlock and get out of Doubting Castle. That's that Pilgrim's Progress that John Bunyan wrote. That you read a little bit of John Bunyan on his other books. I figured it probably is. There's a lot of things now online that's free. Go for it. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah. It's a great allegory of a Christian walk. Mm-hmm. The thing that the time we think that we can get ourselves into or be afraid by. It's an allegory. Okay, well, let's get into verse 8. Let's, uh, let's read, uh, read the text here, 8 through 11. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Ha! If these virtues, if these characteristics are yours and increasing, if your life is increasingly fruitful, then it's a blessing. If they're not there, your life can be indistinguishable. You, you can't distinguish it maybe from somebody else, maybe from somebody who is an apostate. You can't distinguish it from uh, somebody who is an evildoer or distinguish it from even a superficial believer. Superficial is one that would be artificial. They're not really real and sometimes our, our lives can look like artificial believers. And uh, maybe people begin to doubt themselves. It can't even distinguish there. Not giving license to sin, but that can happen. And that's the way it looks like here. It looks like there's choices that Christians have. They can either be on the positive here, like verse 8 talks about, or in verse 9, to lack these qualities and not be obedient. And then we see what that is. But we know all Christians are fruitful in some sense, right? 
they have to bear some fruit. If there's no fruit there, then it might be a dead tree. And of course, I think Jesus speaks of that in a few places. And then I can think of the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. And in John 15. But he says, uh, yours. For if these qualities are yours, that's dealing with uh, possession. The Greek word brings out, it's a property that someone owns. So if these qualities are something that you own, they're yours. They totally belong to you. And then the next word is increasing. And that Greek word there is pleonazo. Pleonazo. To have more than enough. To have more than enough. If these qualities are yours, they belong to you, and they're more than enough. In fact, they just keep multiplying, right? Then, because of that, you're not going to be useless. They're increasing. What's the idea of useless? <laughs> Pretty easy to understand. You don't really need the Greek for that, but the word there means out of work. It means inactive. It means idle. Inoperative. Not not doing anything. Uh, your faith is just inactive. It's idle. There's nothing happening. Don't want to be that way, right? So even though he's using a negative term, not, or, uh, you know, you think of uh, in the Greek, ah, which means no, or not. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless. Useless sounds like a negative term, but we're using it here in a positive term. If you're not useless, what are you? You're useful. So we'll put it that way. Um, look in James 2.20. Something related to this word. James, just before Peter here, right, right in now. 2, verse 20. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Now, going to the context, that sounded pretty crazy. <laughs> you foolish fellow. But that he's talking about faith without works is dead, right? If you Okay, you, if you have faith, but you don't have anything to go along with it, then that faith is really not real. And so that's James' argument here. He's not talking about having a works-based salvation. He's talking about after you're a Christian, you will work. Right? Because you desire to do that. It's God putting it into you. Faith without works is useless. So James uses that same kind of term there. Second um, Timothy 2.21 Dealing with uh, being useful. Paul writes to the pastor here. Young Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and here's our word, useful. Useful to the Master. And I like this last phrase. Prepared for every good work. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, by grace we're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then, and then we see in verse 10 that He's prepared these works for us. After we're saved, we do have works. Not works for salvation, but works to, uh, uh, to be fruitful, to be useful. Yeah. Right. But any true Christian is going to come with work. I mean, like, right? Like, if you're a Christian, a true Christian, then 
you're going to do or to get your salvation? No, or to you're just after you become a Christian. Right, so that's just what you're yeah. going to do because that's who you are as a Christian, and you just. Not, not for salvation, but for because that's who you are. Right. That's, that's you. He's prepared those works in you. Yeah. He right. he's working in you. Of course, we're to work it out. But you're right. Uh, a, a true Christian will have works. Right. Some are going to have a lot more than others. Some will have very little, but there, it'll be there. You know, it may not be so. Where's the fruit at? Oh, there's look at that little bitty. Fruit, you know. But it, it, it will be there. Yeah. Like if the word in action yeah. would defeat that. Like if you are his word in action, then you are going to be all about doing works. Exactly. For no reason other than just doing desire to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Being useful. Yeah. Fruit bearing and, and such. <laughs> um, fruitful. Fruitful. Uh, we see it in the negative term a lot. Um, Ephesians chapter five. Remember Ephesians three chapters doctrine. Then the four through six is dealing with here's how you live the Christian life, or here's some of the works that you know, right? Ephesians Ephesians five verse eleven. Do not participate in the catch the word here unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Things that are unfruitful, the things of darkness, expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak the things which are done with them in secret. But there he uses the word unfruitful. And in our Peter passage here, he says, if we're increasing, we're not going to be unfruitful. We're going to be what? Fruitful. So if you look at the negative, um, Jesus in Matthew 13, which is dealing with parables, uh, the seed, uh, the thorns, and he uses the word unfruitful. There would be an these are, would be unbelievers. There's an unbeliever unfruitful, but in the text that we're dealing with today, it's actually dealing with believers. Um, and, and when you look at it, he's he's talking about, and we'll get to that in verse nine, but. Um, We'll see how this develops because it's we're we're dealing with purification from former sins. That would be uh, one really good reason. We'll hit on that in a moment. Uh, how can I be useful? Well, God has given us gifts. God has given us talents. God has given us treasure. He's given each one of us. He's entrusted us with His good things. And each one is individual. Each one is personal. And we're all a little different from each other. We're little spiritual snowflakes. And we can bless each other by what one doesn't have, the other one does have, and kind of fill it in. That's the beauty of the body, isn't it? Um, and I don't, I don't want to just be busy. I want to be, what are the two words here? Useful and fruitful. Whatever situation you're in, whatever your mindset might be, uh, whatever, no matter the circumstance, I want to be. What are, what's the two words? Useful and fruitful. Right. In 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 knowing Christ, uh, not having selfish pursuits. Second uh, Timothy two twenty one talked about a clean vessel, a clean a clean vessel, useful to the master. Prepared for every good work. And um, Carol was just saying true knowledge. That's that's the next phrase. Useless nor unfruitful. We don't want to be that. In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the cults? Remember the um, false teaching? 
They have knowledge that they're offering. They have gnosis or Gnosticism. But he said true knowledge. Has Peter used that before? <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Right here in our uh, epistle here, he has used true knowledge. He said in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And is it in verse... Um, uh, was it... And in your knowledge, verse 6 is there, right? Yeah. Oh, in 3. And it's in 3. Through the true knowledge of Him who called us. So Peter uses that quite frequently. True knowledge, this is true knowledge with that phrase there is the second time he's used it. So it really does play key. It's not just having head knowledge, but it's the knowledge of who? Christ. It's, it's knowing Him. Coming to know Him. Growing in Him. Um, Calvin, in his commentary and, and Peter here, said this, For the knowledge of Christ, knowing Him, is an efficacious thing. Remember the efficacious call, right? Knowledge of Christ is an efficacious thing. That means it will work it out. And a living root which brings forth fruit. What Laurie was just talking about there. True Christians have fruit or they have these works that they do, not for salvation, but because it's working in us that we love to do that. We have a living root that will show forth fruit. So if God has opened our eyes to the glory of God in the Gospel of Christ... Hey, a free verse here. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. I like this verse. Charging by verses. Oh, I like verse... Well, here's verse 4. In whose case the God of this world, who is that? Satan. Has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. He's blinded them. So that... Why? They are what? They might not see the light. Look at this. Of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I mean, the most magnificent thing that can ever be is to know the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. I mean, that is incredible. That's what it's all about, isn't it? The, the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ. The light of the gospel. Or, or the good news. The light of the good news of the glory of Christ. Keep going down. Verse 6, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the, here we go again, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Those are exciting verses. The light of the glory, knowledge of the glory of God face of Christ. We have something that we can see that's Christ. Your life will show it. You'll be growing. These character qualities should be increasing in all of us, shouldn't they? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. It goes on saying what our troubles might be like, but still. It is of him. Our jars are broke. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's been there. Uh, mm-hmm. About usefulness and our fruitfulness. We've got to keep our focus on who we're glorifying. We're not glorifying ourselves because we have nothing without God. It all is glorified. Whatever we do, we
it's because of things we have in usefulness or system. And then when you see that, then you get in the proper perspective then of who we are. And we're in Christ. That's right. That, because we like to be on self. Yeah. If we're in glory of God, all of a sudden we've taken our minds off the ourself and now we're looking at Him, which is the absolute best place we can be. Father is the vine dresser. Mm. Yes. Working his vine. He's working in it, isn't he? Working it. He does some pruning. But it's a glorious vine. Because it's his. Can I ask something? I don't know. Is it hard? Uh oh, watch out. What do you got, Audrey? Um, well, King James at the end of verse 8 says that ye shall neither be barren, mm-hmm. use barren instead of. Fruitful, unfruitful. Uh, it says barren nor unfruitful. Okay. Which to me is synonymous. They are. So. I was just wondering what the fine line difference was that both terms would be used here. And the word that you have is what, useless? Useless, unfruitful. That's a new American standard. So so it would read unfruitful or unfruitful? So they are kind of synonymous? They are synonymous. They really are. Uh, in the commentaries that I got a hold of, and of course, uh, you, you take the Greek there, even though they're two separate words, they're words that are very complementary to each other. They're very similar. Okay. And I think it's just amplifying that much more. You know, okay. you, uh, you know, if if you're really abiding in these things, if these things are yours, then you're going to be useful. Uh, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be able to, you know, uh, be... Um, uh, you know, effect of edifying uh, what, to others. You know. okay. And just one more thing. If you extend it out, the rest of the verse, that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? As you know who He is intimately. Why, why unfruitful in the knowledge of... He will not be unfruitful. Or... It's a negative, negative kind of, right? Right, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, Makes it positive. Does the unfruitful have to do with the knowledge, or the unfruitful has to do with what you do, and in the knowledge? I, I don't understand quite. Okay, as the more we intimately know Christ, as we're seeking Him, as we're pursuing Him, seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? Seek ye first Christ. He is the King. He is the kingdom. Okay, as we seek that out, then those the fruitfulness of us will be there because knowing Him, knowing Him personally, and of course, how do we do that? Well, it's through the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. As we know Him, we will become increasingly <coughs> fruitful, more and more fruitful, more useful as we know him, having that relationship with him closer. Does that make sense? Well, it's, yeah. As we're in that, that knowledge. As we are in the knowledge. Right. It's and not, that knowledge is dealing with... It's not a fruitfulness in the knowledge. It's because you are in the knowledge of Christ Jesus, you will be fruitful. Right. Okay. And the more you seek that knowledge of who Christ is and what he's about, then the more fruitful you will be. And so really it's going and pursuing Him 
rather than just going out and doing things. As we pursue Him, believe me, He will give those things that we need to be doing, whatever that is. To some people, it may not seem like a lot. And, and it's not always in a, in a, in a serving thing, but it, it's, it's a thing that we're, we're focused so much on Him. And then, of course, those things just work out as He works things. Oh, that's an excellent question because that's what I really needed to dig into here. This is what we're shooting for. It's knowing, and and that's what Peter is really after here. We go back to verse 2. Grace and peace will be multiplied you in the knowledge of God. The more that we know Him and pursue Him, not religion, not works, not doing great things or anything, but more we know Him, grace and peace will be stacked and stacked more and more. We'll just be standing in His grace, right? The more that we know that we'll be at peace with Him. As when you have grace, then we realize then the peace that comes out of that. We conform more to Him, so just gotcha. <laughs> Sound like you, man. You were going. It was good. It's almost like He's saying, that "Fruitful there's the the reward being useful." Yeah. Matter of fact, he, he he's going to get, and he's going to go right there, where it'll go ultimately, even to the rewards in heaven. But even now, he's saying because you're not useless, therefore you have rewards. You know, you but as we conform to His word, and and we conform our everything to doing the good for Him, that's a good question. then. I think is it is it that you can sit there and people think of salvation and you know, you sit there and the only use that they have for Christ? Is that what whole prayer? I mean, and that and it's encouraged like no, that's just the beginning of the story or beginning of your life. It's not just to be satisfied. Yeah, we just don't want to. And I, sit. I, and I do see, do see you see that quite a bit. There seems to be some confusion to a lot of believers. That they have like I'm almost to say it's like fire insurance now, or <laughs> you know, it's like they got something, but they don't seem to get that there now. There is a lifestyle and a, and a way of thinking that is now different than it ever has been before. They attach. It seems like some of they just attach Christ. They say, you know, I go to church now or something. Now that's their good thing. Right, that's do. not it at all. Yeah, and that's really yeah. <laughs> but I know people like that now. You know that, and it doesn't cut it. And you try to say, "No, you can't so put your more. your silver wings on, or whatever." Get a star up there, whatever, whatever they are. Hey, now I'm now I got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are those little machines and what do they do? The glitter, or whatever. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, where you put the rhinestones on your clothes. Oh, dazzler, dazzler. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's like a little dazzler display. No. Oh, uh, I know it's the dazzler. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I bought. I got girls. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, your excuse. I have boys. Okay. <laughs> I had to buy two because Well, you ought to know that then. <laughs> I'm bedazzled by that. <laughs> At least I get to buy two Xboxes. <laughs> yeah, guys. Yes. <laughs> hey, look at Romans eight, and this is what it's about. This is what God's doing. Romans eight. We know everybody knows eight twenty-eight. God calls all things work together. Good. Those 11 called according to His purpose. Verse 29. Here, here's why He calls us. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. 
What's his ultimate thing, though? Where, where does he want to take us to? To become conformed to the image of his Son. To be like Christ. That's what you guys were saying. It's to, to know Christ is to become like Christ as He conforms us more and more. Even right now, we're being conformed to the very image of Christ. Isn't that powerful? Christ, the Son of the living God, we're not going to be Him, but we're conformed to His image. And the real reason is is that He would be glorified, that He would be preeminent. That's the idea of firstborn there. Preeminent among many brethren. We're His brothers. We will bring glory to Him when we are like Him. So this is what He's doing to us now. That's why Peter really is really hitting on this hard supply, moral excellence, supply, you know, knowledge, add to that self-control, all those things that are Christ-like things. And so he says, you want to make sure that you know you're useful, that you're fruitful, and it's in Christ, in that intimate knowledge. Now, verse nine is this. Do you want to be what verse 8 is? If you ask any Christian, they better get number 8 right and not 9. Number Verse 8 says, do you want to be useful or fruitful? Or do you want to be blind and short-sighted? Well, that's a, an automatic. Who wants to be that way? So is this talking about believers or unbelievers? This is talking about believers. Because... And he's saying the ones who lacks these qualities. He's not saying that they don't have these qualities at all. They're there somewhere. But the thing is, they become blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. And that's a key line there. I think that Peter's talking about some in the church who had truly been purified from their sins, and uh, he's saying, hey, take heed. You don't want to be blind. You're blind to this. Remember the apostles and how Jesus would heal a blind man physically and then spiritually, they were blind too. They could see with their eyes real good, but spiritually they couldn't see at all. They couldn't understand why Jesus would go to the cross, why he'd die. Or they would say some foolish things, especially Peter, right? As we've been in Mark, we'll continue to see that. <laughs> yeah. But they they did believe in Jesus, but Jesus had chosen them except for one, right? But these people were so focused that that Peter what Peter's on to, they were, they were so focused on their present circumstances and their own performance. They look at their own performance and they're dissatisfied with it and they start saying, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. I, I don't even know. And sometimes you have to remind them. It's good for everybody to examine, but you know somebody's a Christian. You've been worshiping with, and they're sure acting like an unbeliever, though. But you remember some of the things they did, some of the things they said, and you start reminding, hey, look what God did for you here in this. But really, it's even better to go back and say, where do you really look at? Go back and look at the cross. Okay, were your sins taken care of there? Did you do anything to get those sins taken care of? Only Christ can do that, right? And said, all you can do is trust in that sacrifice. And, uh, you know, I think what happens 
is that they're virtually blind spiritually because they they be They've kind of gotten away from the Word. They've gotten away from fellowship. Gotten away from prayer. They can't even pray. Uh, there's a forgetfulness. There's a willful blindness there. It's a temporal focus. Rather than focusing on the eternal God, and uh, it, it quenches their motivation to be godly. You know what it is? It's spiritual amnesia. Mm-hmm. Spiritual amnesia. They forget. What what happened? And, and that word, I think this is a really key word to, to look at. Purification. Having forgotten. By the way, I can take my glasses off. I've used this illustration so many times. And this is why I go overboard on Sunday mornings and go over time. I just know it. I can't. I, even with my glasses, I can't even see the back clock back there. I don't even know if it works. It always looks like it's on the same hour. But I can't really tell for sure. But if I take these off, I, I, I'm pretty well useless. Um, I can see from here to here, but I can't really see much further. I can read Missouri on there, but it's probably because I already know what's there, and I can read White Sox. Those are big letters. What Lori has on her, I can't. I cannot read that. I can't. I can see blue, a shirt back there and maybe some kind of checkers or something on Johnny. Frida's got some kind of red there, but I can't tell. But I, I really lose it. You know what I mean? Short-sighted. Or they call it today in, in the... What do those guys call it? Short-sighted or what are you? Near-sighted? Near-sighted. I can't see like what I need to see. And that's what what has happened. Amnesia is coming in. Their vision is dimmed. Uh, there'll be sometimes they'll forget their memory. And the thing is, here's what he's talking about: purification. Has anybody ever heard of the word catharsis? Mm-hmm. Have heard of that? You know what it means, don't you? Mm-hmm. What is it? Cleansing. Ah, she's looking it up. <laughs> cleansing. <laughs> cleansing. A clean out. The cleansing from their former sins. Where's your cleansing at? Back at the cross. That's where we go. We go back to the cross and we see that's where our sins were taken. So, uh, they they forgot that. They, they forgot their salvation. Now, if people say, well, you know, yeah, I walked down the aisle. They don't remember that. And I signed a card and I got baptized. See, now they're focusing on what they did, but not on who Christ is or what salvation is about. Anybody can do that. They, they, they don't forget they're joining a church, maybe, or some magical thing, but that's not necessarily what salvation is. Those things can accompany those. You know That, that can be there, but uh, it really comes down to they look at some external activity rather than the very working of God in our lives. They come blind in their pagan ignorance. <laughs> you know, um, they go back and remember that, but um, forgetfulness leads to repeating old sins, and all of a sudden they're going back, living the past sins. They're going back to the way they once were. What you got? I went through a long period of, of feeling like maybe I was not in a faith. Um, and, and this kind of verse, I'm not sure if this one particularly did, but this kind of verse bothered me because it says, have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And I'm thinking, I don't have 
having a problem thinking of that. I was purged from my old sins. It's the new ones that have come up that really bother me. It's like, how can anybody who calls themselves a Christian really how can they do, that? do this? Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> and that's a good question to ask ourselves, too. It's that we're but. old, though. <laughs> like, okay, the old ones are past. That's before I knew Christ. But well, now I should know better than this. But he died for all of us. So the very verse that's sp- should make you realize your assurance, Why? it convicted you. Yes. But, but it's good. And, and it is good when we're convicted of our sin, but then we also want to balance it. Like you guys were saying, we got to remember he took all of our sins. And of course, she knew that, but at the same time saying, yeah, but here's what I've been She's doing so here. Oh, I, I'm getting like saying it's all a game, but I get all caught up in sin. Like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to, like, I can I'm like Carolyn saying, you go back to your old ways, and I'm like, oh, there's new ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely new ways. That's true. The fact that I'm more aware of it. Yeah, right there. It's right there. Well, it definitely shows what's happening to a believer who's really real. And sometimes they need to be reminded, hey, don't you remember this? Don't you remember that? Why are you defending Christ then when, when, you know, I've heard people, you know, defend Him when somebody would make a mockery of Christ and uh, even when they would say, I don't even know if I'm a Christian and almost in the same breath they're saying, yeah, but the resurrection happened, and you know, I mean, you know, they're defending all the big elements. What you're saying, the word of God is not the word of God, and all of a sudden, those those things start coming out. Yeah, that's the thing. Rather than the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, now where have they turned to? The feelings is now controlling, and that's what we have to battle constantly. I told not to think on these things, not on those things. And those feelings can lead us into sin. We leave all my faith in the Lord, even in times of like I think they're big trials, but you know they're really most of the time not big trials. But like I feel like I always fail the faith test, you know, because I always get caught up in the, you know, instead of just saying it's okay, you know, and then I feel like, gosh, I failed twice because I'm in this situation, and twice because I didn't have enough faith to handle it better, and then like fail, fail. Yep. I think we're more sensitive and aware of our information now. And I I take it as God speaking to me Mm -hmm. because He brings it to my mind and immediately I'm... And it's not that you're doubting your salvation, but you are convicted, aren't you? Because you're now so aware of what you want to be aware God opens my mind to what I'm thinking or doing. Mm -hmm. I like to forget the promises. Thank you for bringing this. That's our beating. I think of that as God talking to me when it when it brings it's my not mind. A, it's not an overly condemning thing. Oh no, I can't myself. Just disappointed. But your sins have been condemned. Lori is not condemned. I like to forget the promises though when I when I'm lacking faith turn to the Lord in the time of trial. Like, I just totally forget all the promises. It's all the, oh, strike me down, you know? I mean, that's, yes. But that's like where I where I get, and then... So what's the answer? You said what you negatively did, but what is the answer? Put my faith in the Lord. To go back on those promises, right? right? Yeah, and then it's better than it used to be, but, you know, I can care. It's a good struggle. It's good, but don't live in it. 
Matter of fact, 1 John 1, nine says what? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is an ongoing thing in practice. If we say that we've not sinned, and we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So obviously we battle that, that sin thing. But we're to confess it. Confess your sin. Repent. Really mean it. Really, truly mean it. And then what? Move on. Because He already has. Uh, something over here. What, what? Well, one thing uh, that I always bring to mind when when the Lord brings a sin to my mind, uh, I love that Psalm of David, creating a sin heart of God, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a right spirit within me, catching on away from my presence, mm-hmm. and my the joy of my salvation, and mm-hmm. I'm not quite, quite right. Uh, but I love that, that Psalm. Yeah, he he roots all that sin out. Back to a prom- but that's back to a promise again, sort of dormant in that. Why do we keep doing this thing over and over again? Why do I do the things I don't want to? I should by now know not to do these things, and I still rely on those things. You know, like I yeah. talk to myself about a certain behavior, or be praying about it, and like. It'll be coming out of my mouth and something will happen and I'll have that exact behavior I was saying I don't want to have. You know, and I'm like, how can it be? So, which is more weird than That's biblical. Mm-hmm. What yeah. you just said is biblical if you read Romans 7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Romans yeah. chapter 7. Okay. Um, and that's that's just the jer- part of the journey that, that you're like. on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to bring up, one. Uh, a few years ago, I was struggling with some sin, and Dennis uh, counseled me uh, on the new creation and who we are in Christ. <laughs> and that pretty much settled it all for me. Uh, you know, not that I don't still have sin and troubles and stuff like that at times, but overall, the plumb line got laid in my in my spiritual yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, I was settled on. I'm now new, <laughs> new in Him, and so you know, it's all. Uh, it's I think all, you're you're in Christ is is such a key, your isn't identity. it? Identity, yeah, yeah. You're, who are you? you know, who you belong to? Who uh, you know? And Christ lives in me. All these things, you know. So. Well, you build a history with Christ yeah. too. And yeah. That, that's that knowledge. Yeah. That's it. That's you, know, you build a history with them, and the longer you're with them, like sort of said, when those times come, you know, you don't know why you battle so hard, why you do understand more, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like I said, do that history to go back and just say, I know I'm not where I'm at, but I know what I once was, I'm no longer there either. Yeah. But you desire to keep moving on, and you know then in your walk, as you get older in the faith, you move on, your trials are going to be longer and they're going to be deeper. It's sometimes overwhelming how much sin is like entwined in my fleshly existence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like everywhere. Like, yeah. Evil tendrils, like in almost, you know, some part of almost everything I've done for so many years, and that's just like horrifying sometimes. Yeah. Oh, and that's where. Oh, yeah. I know, but that concerned me for a while, you know. But then, then 
if I think of the promises that, you know, he didn't come for the ones that didn't need to be saved. You know, that whole contrast of we were slaves to sin mm-hmm. in the dark and now we are slaves to Christ. If we just keep reminding ourselves of, you know, that, 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 and, and, and in a way, you can say each day, you can say, now, do I choose to be a slave of the master of the king? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or right. the alternative. Mark? I can inject a little. I don't really want to take humor into the situation, but Lori, just so you don't beat yourself <laughs> too badly. Um, you know, old habits are hard to break. And I was 50 years a non Christian. And I found myself the other day after a particularly rough day at work, I was driving home, listening to a Christian song on the radio, singing to the Christian song, somebody cut in front of me. Where God was in Bingo. I want that filter that stops me first. Aren't you glad God does that? Well, you know what? We were dealing with that that cleansing, that clean out, that catharsis while ago. That's what that purification is. That the Greek word is is related to catharsis. Uh, that's what the word is, katharsmos. Um, the form of purification. What happened at the cross? In our first John passage, we said that He will cleanse us of all sin, unrighteousness, on our ongoing walk. Practically, all of our sins, uh, positionally, all of our sins have been taken away, right? Practically, we still deal with the sin because we're incarcerated in the flesh. Here is what we do as Christians. It's not just blanket statement. I confess, Lord, all my sin. Boom, boom, you know, like that. But when we know that there's something that has arisen there and we know it's sin, it's bothering us, okay, Lord, I'm taking this as coming from you and not Satan, but Satan will want to keep it at you. And he will want to destroy you with that. What Christ wants you to do is just say, to confess. And confess means this. In the Greek, it's homo. Same. You know, when you think of it. Homosexual, same sex, right? Homo in this sense, same legeo, to speak or say. It means to say the same thing that he says about sin. When we're confessing, we're, we're agreeing with him that what we've just done is a sinful thing. I hear those things that I did in my past, they're gone. But the funny thing is, every once in a while there's something a little pops up. Uh, Barb's talking about that. As soon as we know it's sin, what are we to do? Confess it. Boom, it's gone. Just move on. And of course, there's a repentance there. I'm not saying lightly you know, do that. But He doesn't want us to live in that and dwell and dwell on it. It is good to every once in a while realize where we came from, the past. It will really humble you. But don't live there. Realize where He took you from. Confess whatever you're doing and He will cleanse that. There's the catharsis. By confessing, confessing, and the uh, the unrighteousness is gone, and that's our practical sense. Positionally, we know where that's at. And as Bob was saying, always bring it back then to who we are in Christ, 
And look what He's doing. He's forming us into the image of Christ. Does that mean we're going to look like Him right now in everything? Well, we have everything we need, but there are times we don't resemble Christ. Okay, that's whenever... And as we look in Second Peter here and all those qualities, that's what Christ looks like. Those qualities. If those things are growing in us, then we can, then we can be assured that we know we're His. So that's a great passage to take to yourself if you're struggling with doubts and am I in salvation or not. If you've already gone past that, then the next thing is, is, okay, somebody might come up to me. And believe me, there are enough Christians that'll say, I'm not sure if I'm even saved or not. And don't, you know, just don't assume that maybe somebody's saying that you don't even know. You know, they may not. You know, you don't want to you don't want to make somebody feel good and they're really not a Christian. You know, we have to be careful of that. But if we know, we've seen their lives, we've seen the fruit, we've seen what they've done, we've seen the love of Christ in them, and they've, they've stayed in that, then I think it's good to take them to a passage like this and say, hey, look, I don't know where you've been, what you're doing right now, but I want to tell you, you need some glasses on. You need to see, you need to remember, you need to get out of that spiritual amnesia and remember what Christ did. Remember who you are in Christ. You know, and then show them the next. The next section is dealing with assurance, and we didn't get there tonight, and uh, that's okay. We'll get to there next week. I had a friend where I worked, and he was a Christian. He still is, and I don't know what happened in his life, but all of a sudden he he wasn't sure anymore, and he didn't know where he was going, and he thought whatever sin that he had committed, he thought it was that bad that God. An unpardonable sin. I wasn't going to forgive him. And every day I would go in and I would talk to him. And a few other Christian friends of ours would talk to him. And finally he came around and started going back to church again. Mm-hmm. And Did he forget his former purification of sins? Mm-hmm. It took a while. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he had been a really good Christian for over 10 years. And he just thought, you know. Whatever he had done was awful. Hmm. Nobody ever asked. They didn't care about that. I just kept on telling him. Christ has died for that sin too, right. whatever it was. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone in here has the worst sin that they, you know anybody could ever have. Oh yeah. But, and but Christ dies for it. Really okay, you're a Christian. A lot of times it's not exactly, exactly what people think that they've done. It. A lot of times it's what they. It's the lack of faith, too, that they turn away from. I trust like, what has God done to me? You know, like, He's punishing me for whatever, and I can't handle that, so they get all angry. Yeah. I think the things that you think you're being punished for become less when you're a Christian. I mean, things that you think are awful. Oh, you quit doing those things because you don't like to be punished. No, but I mean, <laughs> just the, the bad things in your life you think are really, really awful become less when you're a Christian. They're, they're just not right. important anymore. Yeah. And God, by the way, as far as His children, He doesn't punish us, but according to Hebrews 12, He does discipline us. And discipline really means mathetas, and it's dealing with we're learners of Him. He's the you know, discipline. We are to discipline ourselves in whatever we do. Now, that's, that's a different word than punishment, isn't it? He doesn't punish His children, but He does teach them 
Matter of fact, he might have to use some hard things to teach them. That's what I'm right? talking about. Like, I don't need the kind of Christian that does not need those Right. 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 You're right. We're not resembling Christ here. And that that makes you desire to Wow, it's a good topic, isn't it? It's real. And it'd be, be good for us right now or it can be for somebody that we know, but Peter definitely knew what he was doing when he was writing that because he was writing to a lot of people who were dealing with those issues. And it sets us up for being stronger in him. Don't be lazy in your walk. That's right. Be diligent, right? Let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your Word, Your truth. Thank You, above all, for the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, which You have granted to us. And Lord, that is overwhelming, for none of us deserve it. You are so gracious. Thank You for the inward working of Christ in us, and so that we can know who we are in Christ, know our identity, know this family, we know the Father, we know the Son, we know the, His children, and may we be able to resemble Christ just a little bit more, and just a little bit more as we grow in these, um, in, in Christ, in these qualities. In Your Son's name we pray, Amen. Yes.